0: Good day, everyone. How are you all going? This is Saba from the City McQuiggles blog. Welcome to week five of my City Talks podcast. Did you catch last week's episode about Big Sand? It's a virtual science fiction project created by Sally Coleman, known previously from the hip hop duo Coda Conduct and also an ex Triple J presenter. I was blown away by the amount of imagination, creativity, and tech that has already gone into making Big Sand happen especially visually. And the Aussie acts, Sally's convinced to write songs about giant alien bugs, as she calls the characters or big sound band members, are some of my favorite ones. This week, let's get back to more down-to-earth things. In my opinion, there are a few behind-the-scenes professions in the music biz, in Australia and the rest of the world, that are totally underestimated. Sound engineering is one of them, wouldn't you agree? Now, I don't know much about it myself, but I know someone who does. Dan Nash is based in Sydney, but holds a British passport as well. It turns out he works heaps with an amazing First Nations singer-songwriter, Thelma Plum. I was meant to see Thelma in Europe in May 2020, but you know what happened then. So, I guess that's how I came across Dan's profile. I probably saw him tagged in one of Thelma's posts or stories on Instagram. Thankfully, Dan had nothing against schooling me, although theoretically for now, in the different aspects of his profession. When we spoke on Zoom, he'd literally just dropped off his daughter at the Billie Eilish concert in Sydney. So I was like, thanks for choosing my humble podcast over one of the biggest artists on the planet right now. On top of that, I received a comprehensive masterclass on what his gig in music is all about. Now, here I need to throw in a little disclaimer. There will be some technical vocabulary related to live music in the two episodes we've done. So if you're not from the music industry, I'll include a link to a glossary of the most frequently used terms for your convenience. But don't worry, you're not the only one approaching this chat from a layperson's perspective. And because this podcast is called Silly Talks, I post some silly questions to start. So I've come across, like, you know, the two different terms for what you probably do, one being sound engineering and the other one audio engineering. Is there a difference between the two? Uh,
1: I, I mean, I don't think so. I don't think so. There's, I don't think there's a technical difference. I think people refer to themselves maybe differently. So some people might even call themselves a mix engineer. Okay. Um uh, some people call themselves a sound technician, a sound engineer, an audio engineer. Um, sometimes, yeah, it's, it's, I don't really think it's, I don't know why it gets called so many things. I think it's a personal preference. Okay. Um, and maybe people that are called mix engineers maybe want people to know they just they just do mixing and don't do other stuff, you know. Okay. Um, maybe Maybe they just work in music. Yeah, maybe that's what they're trying to convey, but um, yeah, I mean, I do lots of different audio things, so I don't just do music. Yeah. yeah, and that's what I wanted
0: to ask you as well, because I found a lot of, you know, some hints in different articles and, and interviews that I've kind of seen that you do a lot of different stuff. So maybe let's start from the basics and then you can tell me about everything else. So as a sound engineer, what, what is your job? Like, what do you do?
1: Um, so I, it's my job in a nutshell, in, in a live, uh, sound sense in the music world is to make the sound, uh, make the band sound good, um, live. So I'm working in different venues each night. Um, I'm working sometimes with different gear each night and I guess, it, yeah, it's my job to make sure that the artist sounds as close to what they want to sound like, um, every single night. Um, yeah. And I guess having the expertise to do that is, is sort of drawn upon the more technical side of things. Um, but I also believe there's a, um, there's a very important artistic approach to what I do as well. And Mm. I like to think that I bring that, to what I do in the music world and and, and with um, live sound engineering for gigs and stuff. Mm. I, believe it's, I believe you need an artistic approach as well.
0: Okay, cool. But that, does yeah. that mean that you would get, for instance, like before the gig, do you get like a, a list of things that they want you to sound like? So they would say like in this particular track, you know, put a bit more bass in or like how do you know what they want it to be like?
1: I, I guess you're really basing your... Um, your ears on the recorded, the recorded stuff on their records. So you'll often, yeah. I mean, I'll often get sent tracks that aren't, maybe aren't released for an upcoming tour and say, here's the songs. So, you know what they sound like, you know, yeah. In particular songs, there's going to be effects that they want to use, or, you know, there's a certain vibe that they want in particular things. Um but, yeah, I mean, you're really um, I think most of the time trying to recreate what their recordings sound like, um, so, if you can get as close to that in a live environment, I think you're you're yeah, you're doing a good job,
0: cool, so that means that you actually have to be an expert in their whole repertoire, so you know you have to actually listen to their records and then you reproduce or try to reproduce it
1: well this is this is it and and this is this is why I feel like you know, a lot of it is you really do need an artistic approach and a creative approach to it. Um, And this kind of goes back on the sound engineering, audio engineering, mix engineering stuff, mm-hmm. because, you know, there are some people around that are technically brilliant and can tell you the ones and the zeros and the circuitry and, you know, all of that stuff. Uh, And there's people that maybe aren't, you know, as technical and cluey but they have amazing ears and and you know they can do their job without knowing um all all the you know really technical in ins and outs of everything and I I think I'm in the middle of that kind of demographic Uh
0: (laughs) okay so do you think like it's a cheeky question maybe but if you're not technically brilliant can you make up for it when you're very creative in your
1: job I think if you know enough you can make up for it uh-huh. Um, i definitely think you know there's there's ways to get around knowing the technical stuff okay uh, it is it is gonna it is gonna kind of bite you in the ass eventually so you do need to be able to back it up and and kind of know know what you're doing especially you know in a lot of the yeah, there's, mm. we do some big rooms and big festivals and stuff. So, I mean, if you're kind of walking into that environment not knowing a whole lot about, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: everything from the the back end of the festival to the front end of the festival and, you know, how the stage operates and how stage managers work and how, you know, the festival techs work and all that sort of stuff, then you're not really going to have a fun time. Yeah. Um, so I don't think anyone would deliberately put themselves in that situation but I have seen it and yeah, it's um, interesting to watch.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about that. Is that a profession that needs to be taught? Like, do you have to physically go to school to learn about all this stuff? Or is it a hands-on profession that you would just go and work with people, like observe them and you would learn that way? Or is it a combination of both?
1: Yeah. Like I think uh, personally, I went to audio school. Um, I did... uh, how many 12 12 months at an audio school that was 2001 I -hmm. think and um that that then the technology was analog I didn't have any digital technology at all and I learned on uh analog tape machines and um man I sound so fucking old (laughs) Um, I was like
0: I don't want to mention your age but people will be able to make it out from this conversation yeah
1: (laughs) um and and you know analog consoles and I even spliced tape and that was how I edited was putting tape together wow um so I but I loved that and I got into that because I'd been playing music since I was five years old I was a drummer and playing guitar and stuff so I was always musical. And then when I realized that, uh, you know, there, there was a job, there was somebody that mixed music. Mm-hmm. That, that's how, you know, the songs on the radio that I heard when I was little, that's how that happened. There was somebody in a room with each element, you know, bass drum, snare drum, mm-hmm. guitar, keyboard, you know, whatever, messing around with that. That, that was me. I was just like, okay, that's, that's what I'm going to do. That's okay. my life. And I knew that when I was like 11. And so, uh, yeah, we found this audio school. I went to this audio school and I, I just hung out there like a bad smell. And even after I graduated, I kept going back. Um, And eventually they were to get rid of me. I think just gave me this like internship at a recording studio, Mm -hmm. um, which was a big studio here in Sydney. And then I, again, I just hung around there for, for months and not getting paid and, I just wanted to be around it. And then eventually I started working at a recording studio and um, that's kind of how I got my start. But I think, um, again, you know, that's just my story. I've had a love for the art and for music my whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of people get attracted to the glamour of it Mm -hmm. and maybe think that that's their way into it. Mm -hmm. um and they you know they'll shortly find out that you know maybe that's not for them or it's too hard or the the, you know the nights are too late um and they go get a digital camera and become a photographer instead um but (laughs) but um you, you know and there's there's other ways to do it you can go and you know help out at gig nights you can go and roll cables for someone you can go find your local sound engineer and hang out with him or her or them for you know um, weeks on end and learn the trade and it's like you know eventually someone will notice and give you a call to do this job and then they'll Mm -hmm. give you a call to do that job and then maybe somebody won't show up when they were supposed to and they're like oh what about what about them they they could probably do it and Mm -hmm. and then you'll get a call to do that job and you know you you can't do it but you say yes anyway And then you can do it and you did it. And then that goes on from there. But I think, yeah, you can only teach so much. You can only tell someone so many things. Um, It's kind of like me with painting and and, and drawing. Mm -hmm. Um, Through the pandemic, I was kind of doing these online classes just to try and teach myself something. And no matter what I did, I sucked at it. I was terrible. (laughs) I I need to try. Yeah, but the yeah, but you know, I I just couldn't, I couldn't, you know, draw an eye, and it just looked like this horrible blob. And I just try and do it every day, every day. I just couldn't get it, you know. So you can teach me how to do it, but can I do it?
0: Mm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, like in everything else, obviously, it's a combination probably of different things, and some people absolutely. Yeah, like you said, some are more technical, some are more kind of like creative and artistic. Okay, great. So we've got the sound engineering essentials down. I feel like now I could potentially write the job description myself. We also know how Dan ended up in the business because of his love for music. As in any other case, however, there are different things you can do within that one profession itself. I guess most of them depend on personal preferences, experience and skills. So Dan explained a little more about that side of the industry, keeping in mind the current demand for sound engineers and diversity within that profession itself.
1: So yeah, there, there's, there's a bunch of different roles really. There's, you know There's music venues and mm-hmm. there's touring. And then there's audio-visual stuff, which is more conferences and events and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, And then there's just, you know, audio companies that are just crew that, you know, do bump in, bump out. They set up the PAs. Mm -hmm. They manage the PA systems and all that sort of stuff. The, I mean, I I tend to just do touring Mm -hmm. um, and freelance because I... I enjoy touring a lot. I, I enjoy traveling. I enjoy, you know, seeing different places. Um, I enjoy seeing different venues. I enjoy being in that, that team for an mm-hmm. extended period of time. Like we, we, most people that are touring have survived this long or whatever, because they're good people and they're good to be on the road. And that's how you keep your job. Mm. Um, you know, if you're a pain in the ass to be around people, people won't want to work with you. And I'm talking about the downtime in between shows, which is, you know, 90% of the time you're hanging out with these people, sure. you know, 24-7. So, you know, if you're a bit of a handful, then people don't want to hang out with you. So you won't get the mm-hmm. job. But I mean, I have no guarantees with what I do. It's not like I work for a company, you know, it's based purely based on reputation. Okay. And, you know, I'm luckily, lucky enough that the phone kind of has kept ringing over the years and and it's kind of kept me fed. It, it can be quite profitable if you're working heaps. Um, you know, bands are prepared to pay good people good money to keep them. And, um, and I think that's a great thing. I think that people that end up in venues um, like that, you know, like anything, probably like the job security of it all, Mm-hmm. they like having you know regular gig um they can guarantee four nights a week at a venue they mm-hmm. get paid the same amount and and all of that stuff and um i mean also maybe they've maybe they want to tour but they just haven't found a way to get into that that side of it yet mm-hmm. um so again like i've i've done that i worked at a venue in uh king's cross over here um for like three years when I was much younger and, and that was great you know just touring bands coming through and mm-hmm. that was kind of how I learned how to deal with people and um yeah and, and how not to get angry you know because <laughs> it's very easy it's very easy to lose, I lose can your patience dealing with lots of different you know um lots of different egos and attitudes and yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's there's so many ways to make money out of what I do, and um, you know, like often I'll work casually in, in like an audio visual sense as well. Like I'll go and do an event, or go do a conference, or go do tech support at a university if the works there. Like just because it's it's a different way to make money, and it's like exciting. But in it, like, really, I only really want to do the work that I want to do. Like, I don't want to be working. This is why I am I do this. It's like, I, I don't want to have a nine to five job. I've mm. never wanted that. And I've never done that. Like, I've always, since I was, you know, 16, 17, this is all I've done. So, you know, I've kind of set my life up in that way where I just don't really want to get part of that, be a part of that. I don't know what you call it the machine okay um the way I see it anyway or whatever I like kind of doing things on my own terms and picking and choosing what work I do and and all that sort of stuff
0: it's funny because I'm, I've got some notes here and um I just looked at a sentence and I think it was from an article in tone deaf when you had when you said I've never really had a real job real job sucks
1: yeah. Like well if, there you go.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of like to summarize what you just said. Yeah. Doing, but then what's a real job then then? I mean, if you don't consider your job a real one, then what's a real job? You know what I mean?
1: Like I I you know, I mean, I don't know. I just don't feel like I'm going to work, you know. Okay. And 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 money appears in my bank account. Okay. So it's just great.
0: <laughs> but then but, um is this a job that is sought after in Australia, considering that, you know, you guys have, like, an amazing music, uh, live music scene, and um, so is that is there a shortage in, in that field, or do you reckon, like, yeah, it's, it's pretty okay at the moment?
1: Um, I think I think where we are at right now, because of the pandemic, a lot of people maybe not so much the touring people, but I guess the other people that were kind of working locally and stuff, they've moved on to other industries. Mm -hmm. And and I've seen that a lot. They've just, they've just left the industry. Um, And yeah, I think there's like, at the start of this year, there was a huge crew shortage. Um, And, you know, I was getting calls from, and we and we all were all, all of us, like because it's a pretty tight community, I guess. but it, you're just getting calls every day, all day, just like, can you do this gig? Can you do this gig? can you do... There was so many events, festivals, you know, and stuff on. it was nuts and there wasn't enough people. Um, I think it's chilling out a bit now. Um, it's still I'm still getting calls like every day for something. Mm-hmm. but um i think also that there's a generational gap happening
0: mm-hmm. where
1: people um aren't prepared to kind of do the hard yards to get through to mm-hmm. where they want to be which is kind of what i touched on before they just want to do 6 months at audio school or whatever and then just that's you know be out there touring and it's just not how it happens so I think yeah I don't want to <laughs> I sound like such an old dude at the moment but <laughs> you know these young people uh-huh. um they just don't they don't want to work they don't want to put in the work and they're just yeah so there's a massive generational gap um I I mean I I can't even tell you the last time I saw somebody at a gig that was under uh yeah under 25
0: Oh really? Okay.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, that, that was like showing potential or anything like that. It's yeah, I don't know. It's that seems to be a huge gap or something. I don't know.
0: Which which leads me to a related question as well. Like because um, you dropped like a hint in, in a few minutes ago saying that you know it used to be like old white dudes doing the job in the past. Is there a lot more more diversity these days? Like, you know women in the business like you said all yeah. people, people and stuff
1: absolutely um uh the the tour I'm on at the moment um uh, uh, the females out actually outweigh the males
0: oh really um okay.
1: yeah by um seventy thirty I think it is um so which is great and there are just awesome female techs in in this country and they're they're all off touring the world at the moment that they're, they're so sought after so um diversity is great at the moment and it's it's and it's only getting better you'll still run into you know every now and then you'll run into somebody that you have to just kind of check them and be like hey man you can't say that and that's not cool okay. but um which we do um because you know you got to do it and but yeah, there's huge diversity and I think everyone has a really positive attitude about it. Um, And, you know, everyone has a willingness to, to, to make that change happen. Um, Yeah. I don't see much negativity about any of that stuff at all, really at the moment. Like it's nothing but positive and um, positive reinforcement and support and, you know, we we just, yeah, we all just want to do a good job and it doesn't matter if you, it doesn't matter who you are. Cool.
0: It's amazing to hear about all the positive changes on the diversity front in the sound engineering department. And I guess younger generations will eventually come around and realize how rewarding the job can really be. Fingers crossed that chats like this one, shedding a bit more light on the different paths within the profession, will contribute to more people interested in learning it, regardless of their background. And on that note, this job can get quite technical sometimes, especially when you start. So Dan talked me through his gear and the standard equipment venues provide for gigs these days. I'm used to always seeing sound engineers behind big consoles with heaps of buttons and complex controls. So I was surprised to find out how simple and convenient everything has become. It turns out you don't need a full load of magical tools to make bands sound great on stage anymore.
1: Um, so I guess let's call it a mixing console. Okay. Um, you know, audio console. Yeah. yeah. Um, most of the time these days I... I hire gear and, and, and it travels with me. Okay. Um, So I'll have the same console every night Mm -hmm. and it flies with us. And yeah, um, these days there's, you know, it's digital consoles pretty much everywhere. Um, Your settings get saved on a little USB stick. Okay. Um, And depending on the brand of that console, uh, that particular mixing desk, um, your settings can be recalled, um, mm-hmm. you know, every night. <clears throat> so, you know, there's there's probably like three, three brands or maybe even really only two brands, which is Avid and Digico, um, which are the leaders, I guess, in live consoles. Um, you know, you, you're generally going to have files on these USBs for your band. Um, so in the, in the instance where you're not traveling with your own consoles, you know, you can rock up to a festival or a venue that has that particular piece of equipment, plug your USB stick in, hit load and the mix will be there. Your mm-hmm. settings will be there. You'll have to tweak them. You still have to, you know, do your job, yeah. but yeah, it's um. I, I think in it. Yeah. I think that's the easiest way to explain it. um. But yeah, m- mostly now, like the tour I'm on now with Thelma Plum, we are traveling two consoles. So, one for Front of House, which is me, mm-hmm. and one for Monitors, which is uh, Sarah, who, and she mixes the bands mm-hmm. um, on on stage sound in their in is. Um, okay. So, we travel with all of that um, just to make it really easy and consistent for the artist each night. And, um, if if you know if we're late or a plane gets delayed or something like that we know that we can set up in half an hour and have have it ready to go really
0: mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. does that mean in a way that every venue nowadays let's say uh would have to have like a baseline and like there's the foundation you know so that they know that you can connect whatever you need to bring and that's going to work is there something set up in the industry or like is it like an unwritten contract you know what I mean
1: yeah, like, I mean, most venues will have the facilities for guest consoles to come in, mm-hmm. um, de- depending on, you know, what standard of venue you're touring, what size of venue. But most most venues would have, yeah, the facilities there to do it. And most venues really do stock those two brands of console, Digico and Avid. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and they're doing that so, you know, Again, we don't have necessarily have to take our own gear around, but we, you know, a lot of people do anyway. Um, but yeah, most most places have the facilities to to do it, but really, you know, all we need is is inputs into the PA system. We're that self-contained that we even travel with our own stage rack, which is where all the cables get plugged into on stage. Like, we literally don't use anything in any of the venues apart from, you know, a few XL, a few mic cables. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we, we're comp- almost completely self contained, um, which just means you don't stress about rocking up and there being an issue with the venue or yeah. um, any of that stuff. And yeah.
0: that's, that's pretty cool. And um, I just wanted to ask you something else, because I used to be a band manager and um, yet I still never learned anything about sound engineering, even though they played some gigs, you know, when I was at those gigs. But once yeah. we walked up to the venue and the guy did the whole sound thing from his laptop. So like you know, I could see like the controls like on the laptop, and you know they were on stage, and he was like shouting to them from like in front of the laptop. I was like, "That's it!" Like you know, the whole console, you know, they always was used to, it and like he's just like on the laptop. Is that a new thing, or is it just kind of like the digital version of what you just described?
1: Yeah, I mean, essentially, that's that's kind of what I have as well. I mean, these right. things are just the the, the yeah, the, like these any any mixing console these days is basically just a big computer. Um, so the, you know, the action kind of happens on stage with the stage racks and the preamps. Mm -hmm. Um, like I'm literally just connecting a, a cat five ethernet cable, um, to that's how I get my audio now, one cable, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's nuts, but yeah, I mean, that technology has been around for a while and you often see people with iPads as well controlling faders and stuff on their iPads. It's essentially just a big mouse, but so, so are the mixing consoles. They're essentially just, um, big, uh, mice, um, or, or big computers controlling the software. So it's, yeah, as far as analog circuitry goes, um, you know, it generally doesn't happen at at front of house anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it can do, but yeah, it's essentially just, um, yeah, they're essentially big computers that are just processing tons of information. It's, okay. it's wild. Yeah.
0: yeah. Dan has worked in the Aussie music business for more than 20 years. From our chat until this point, I sense that his reputation in the industry is largely based on his constant learning approach. Being competitive means staying on top of the latest developments in one's field, after all. When Dan started as a sound engineer, his profession was very different from what it is now. He admitted that himself already. So, I was curious to find out where he notices the biggest changes. That led us, inevitably, to a discussion about how IT and AI can influence Dan's trade in the future. So this is what the last part of this episode is dedicated to.
1: Yeah, I mean, the pay hasn't gone up that much.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah,
1: but uh, yeah, definitely the technology has changed like in uh, like so much. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm not only talking about mixing consoles. Um, you know, it's everything. It's microphones. It's um uh playback systems that bands use you know there's 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 these redundant playback systems that um you know if, if bands are using backing tracks which a lot of people do and they're playing to clicks and, tr- and stuff you know you've got these redundant playback rigs which are running two laptops uh so if one laptop fails it just switches over to the other without anybody noticing Um, whereas, you know, I guess 20 years ago, you'd have a hard drive playing all that back, um, a hard disc, uh, playback system. So yeah, that, that kind of stuff is, is changed a lot. Um, I think, I think people have changed a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, there was, you know, uh, when I was coming up, there was no females around um at all which is you know we all know how messed up that is mm-hmm. there was just a bunch of grumpy old men just running everything and um yeah it, it's it's in the last sort of 10 years it's the the yeah it's changed it's shifted the attitudes have changed and um people seem to be more approachable and um happy to be at their jobs and more accepting of of everyone um which is also you know that's an awesome thing Mm. um yeah but yeah technology is just insane and it's like you know every month there's a new version of something that I've got to update on some software that I'm using or you know a, a version of a console that needs to be updated otherwise I can't use this and it's you know it it is kind of hard to keep on track of that stuff because mm-hmm. there's that line again between you know audio engineer and IT specialist yeah. um but but yeah you just you do have to kind of stay on top of the technology otherwise you'll get left behind um but yeah and okay, it's
0: Sorry, sorry for interrupting, but I just wanted to say that uh, on that note as well. So you know how some people are in different jobs, especially related to IT and all this, you know, digital technology and stuff, are freaking out that in, at some stage in the future they will be replaced by machines and computers okay do, do you think that might be it also kind of like a danger for your profession or do you think that there will always need to be like the human element that you know the machines will never be able to do because theoretically speaking if you've got everything saved on the hard on this whatever you know pen drive or whatever that is you could just plug it into the machine and then just leave it there and it kind of is so sophisticated that it kind of you know senses like the changes and whatever the artist is doing so theoretically speaking that could be possible but do you think it really is
1: well, this is it. I think I don't. You know. I okay. So there is there is a thing I've seen this. I can't remember where I've seen it, so I can't give you a reference. But there is a video or something kicking around of a robot mixing uh, an a track, mm-hmm. um, and it does. I think it does like 88 mixes and then it does 64 mixes and then it does, it's it's like this weird number system that it uses to get down to one final mix Mm -hmm. of a song and it's completely done by AI and it sounded great. So make of that what you will. But um, I mean, I really strongly believe that that could be happening now. I don't feel like there needs to be as many people working as there are like I it's not that I want that to happen but as you said you know I have my mix I have the gear Um, I have snapshots of every song so every song is recorded in my console Mm -hmm. with different settings in it so essentially when I'm at a gig they play through one song I hit next on my console and it brings up the settings for that song Mm -hmm. I hit next on the next one it brings up so that's That's all quite robotic. However, I you know, you do need, as I said before, and I'm and I'm I am a strong believer of artistic approach and Mm -hmm. and and you know natural talent when it comes to using your ears and listening to music. Mm -hmm. I don't think that can be taught, and I don't really think that can be programmed either. Mm. I think you've either got it or you don't. You know, people tell me that talent can be taught, but I I don't know if I, I really agree with that, but Mm. um but I mean sure I think technology is gonna keep changing I uh yeah the live music stuff I don't know I mean it's it's such a personal thing and I think yeah I think people just trust you with it and that's you know that's why I get my work people trust me to do this job and do it well every night and they'd leave me to it and you know, and there's it's just that trust element. So, if people could hand over that trust to another system, I don't know.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll see, I guess. Yeah, not. yeah,
1: but again, yeah, like, I'd love to see it.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, maybe we'll live to see it one day. I mean, I, you know, and from your perspective, obviously, that would be a bad idea because you don't have a job. It's just from uh, like a curiosity point of view, it would be interesting. totally, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, mic check, can you hear me? If you can, let's pause this chat for now, because you can't even imagine how stressed I am about Dan judging my audio engineering skills for this podcast. But hey, you gotta start somewhere, right? We've mentioned quite a few things in this episode that might not be familiar to all listeners, so I'll do my best to post links to what they are in the episode notes. I'll also redirect you to Dan's Instagram account. Who knows when you might need a top sound engineer down on there next time. Dan and I will also be back in the encore episode. You'll get to know him better as a music lover. And we'll talk industry gossip and trade secrets. So stay tuned. Better yet, subscribe to the podcast not to miss anything. And you know where to find me, right? citymacwiggles.blog is one option. Or at citymacwiggles on socials is another. Thanks for your time today. And make sure you tune into the encore episode when it drops. Really, really soon, I promise. Bye bye now!